Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover, step back. Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen right here on 960theref.com. All right, here we are, another edition of the Crossover Podcast, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and in Five Points, Chris Brame from the home team, David Johnston from the morning show, and that is how you get the Crossover Podcast. Uh, We thank you all for subscribing on iTunes, if that's how you get us, or if you just uh, log on to 960theref.com and listen to us on demand there. But uh, better yet never been easier to listen to 960 the ref and all of our content than getting the 960 the ref app and you can find that in the app store on the iphone or google play if you are on the android so we appreciate uh you appreciate fully loaded pizza kitchen and uh dave how have you been in the last week uh, say that again chris how have you been in the last week oh 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 yeah uh, <laughs> I- Losing my hearing, I guess, is uh, one of the things. No, but uh, as, as I do like to let everybody know, as we like to let everybody know, we are taping this in separate rooms. So we are, hopefully it sounds like we're sitting right next to each other, violating the social distance rules, but we aren't. We're in different rooms. So I think I can hear you better now. But uh, yeah, doing okay, hanging in there. Uh, glad, so glad we had the first round of the draft last night. It actually feels like you know, Logan and I did the morning show today, and we actually had stuff to talk about that actually happened, and that was a good thing. Yeah, and uh, I thought bravo to the to the coverage. That couldn't have been easy to uh, to pull off. I watched yeah. uh, I, I I watched the first few minutes of it on uh, on ESPN, which was simulcasting with the NFL Network. So you had a combination of uh, of crews that were given analysis. I eventually flipped over to ABC when I realized, like, oh, they basically have the college game day crew uh doing that and i enjoy them more i guess than the nfl talking heads so you had you had reese and jesse palmer were in a studio and i assume bristol uh they were they were at the same desk or whatever but they appeared to be six feet apart and then you had david pollock was i guess at his home you know desmond howard at his home kirk herbstreet at uh at his home and then you know they would throw in mix in tom rinaldi um and uh and maria taylor some too who were doing interviews and whatnot but they pulled it off and i didn't really notice any technical glitches or anything like that it was good i thought uh my expectations weren't very high just because it was such a complex broadcast that they were having to put together i stayed on espn i didn't flip around so um stayed with that crew i thought you know even from roger goodell's basement i'll say this too about roger goodell Uh, you know he gets booed and uh He's the the villain, but I mean, maybe you saw it differently, but I thought 
you know, all things aside, he came across, if nothing else, one of the big – he was one of the big winners last night. I thought he came across – is more of a human being than we've we've seen with him before. Yeah, I mean, they even added in the touch at the beginning where I guess some fans were allowed to uh, to boo him at the boo start. Boo him for charity. Yeah, so they had the screen back there, and for each team and their picks, they had yeah. you know the screen set up behind them where you know a couple fans could get on there and cheer or boo if they yeah. loved or hated the pick. So at least once or twice, I don't know. He was trying to do the virtual hugs with the players and. I thought that was, I mean, yeah. it's like, uh, I get it. There's issues with him, but I thought he came across as more of a human being last night than uh, than he seems to at, at other times. But yeah. I thought the broadcast, they did a great job. Yeah, and I don't know if there were any sort of glitches in communicating to, between the teams to him. You know, If there were, if there wasn't anything you were aware of on television. They probably just were able to, like, fill some time if, you know, we're, hey, we're going to have a few minutes before we can announce this next pick, but... It, um, you know, I, I think some of the team, like, again, the, the Bengals should have, the, 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 the draft should have started and the Bengals should have immediately, I, we're taking Joe Burrow instead of going through that whole 10 minutes because the thing did end up lasting till you know, right around midnight or a little after it. So maybe they that could was, find a way to speed it up. But other than that, that. Yeah, that was my main issue is why did the first pick come at 825 instead of 725? And, uh, yeah, once the Bengals were on the clock, why do we have to sit there and hear everything again? Why didn't they just go ahead and make the pick? It's like in fantasy football, you know who in your league's got the number one pick, and when you have your draft, they're usually, when it's time, they, like, make the pick. Yeah, and <laughs> you, if they don't – You don't you, have to wait. Yeah, if they don't, you basically, like, uh, make the pick. Yeah, there's, you hassle them. Yeah, we're not setting a timer for you. You just go <laughs> yeah. tell us, you, you, you know, and everyone knows, like, okay, so you're taking – uh, it, it, you know, Lamar Jackson. All right, yeah. fine. You have Lamar Jackson now, but um, yeah. But it was uh, it was good, and it was good to have finally some live sporting event to talk about. The draft is always great, anyway. But you know, now given that there's no other sports, this was just as uh, as perfect as it uh, as it could have been, and it was a a huge night for the SEC. Um, an interesting night for Georgia, which we'll get into. And uh, then the Falcons were just sitting there in, in purgatory at, at number 16. And C.J. Henderson was gone. Javon Kinlaw went a couple spots before Atlanta picked. So the Falcons said, well, well you kind of assumed when you look at their, their depth chart at cornerback that that is certainly a, a huge position of need. And that's what they addressed with taking A.J. Terrell from Clemson uh, the Falcons love Clemson players all of a sudden well that's funny he was the second first round pick they've ever drafted from Clemson the other one was Vic Beasley yeah so <laughs> there you there's their Clemson and their first round connection there with them I was wondering though and look here's the thing we don't know Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn they could have tried to trade up or tried to trade down I mean we don't know what was going on behind the scenes but I thought when Kinlaw got picked they might try to move down, and maybe they did. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, there was a cornerback taking three spots behind them with the Raiders taking Damon Arnett. But, you know, the Raiders are going to Raider, and they probably – I mean, I would think, hey, Damon Arnett, they were going to take him no matter what. Could the Falcons have traded back a little bit and still been able to get Terrell or, you know, even somebody else, even the guy from Auburn, although he ended up going number 30. Uh, you know, I, we don't know. We don't know. So, yeah, the Falcons being right in the middle, I mean, that nice little four-game winning streak at the end of the year, <laughs> whatever it was, came back to haunt them last night. And, again, it's so bizarre, too, with Kyle Shanahan and the Niners are the ones that get Javon Kinlaw. And then it was I even thought it was ironic 
that the Niners traded back into the first round to get uh, the receiver from Arizona State with the 25th pick, which, you know, 28 to 3, and here comes Shanahan getting the 25th pick. It's just just bizarre how some of this stuff plays out, but – you know, and and Terrell might be a nice nice pick for them. I don't know, but it just it didn't. It just felt like the Falcons just got caught in the in the middle of everything, and they they just there was nothing they could do. No, which is where you are in the teens, because I know the yeah. next pick was the the Cowboys, and that you know that they're an interesting spot, and in that they're they were actually they had a top ten offense and defense. So for a team that ended up eight and eight, it's like all right, well something didn't add up there, and I guess yeah. that's why they fired Jason Garrett. But the Cowboys were sitting there at seventeen, and they went. Well, we'll just take the best player available. And at that point, I think they did in getting C.D. Lamb, even though with Dallas, you're like, well, why, you know, that is that what they needed, a wide receiver? But they went, we'll just take the best player available. I don't know if the Falcons, it's, you know, Falcons were 7-9, and nine, the Cowboys were 8-8. Eight eight. It, it definitely felt like the Falcons were, you know, had more issues and needs, and I think they, they at least addressed one of them. But, yeah, Terrell was a guy that could have been had later in the draft. So I guess that's the, you know, that, that would be the biggest issue with it would be where they got him could they've gotten him later but like you said you don't know if they didn't a trade I mean to make a trade you've got to have a dance partner that's willing to uh, to switch places with you and the the only other two corners that did end up going in the first round like no one had either of those guys going in the first round in mock drafts so the two that ended up not going would have been uh, Fulton from LSU and then I guess Jalen Johnson from Utah so essentially the Falcons did get yeah, the 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 top two corners in the draft were gone so Atlanta got the third one in Terrell and we'll just have to see how it goes now I know there was a lot of uh reminiscing about him getting just smoked in the national championship game but I mean LSU they smoked a lot of teams last year so yeah I, and I was thinking that too it's like all right well if you hold that against him you know do you uh do you also say well then uh Jamie Newman gets elevated numbers because he pl- he played most of his games against ACC competition does AJ Terrell get elevated numbers because he played most of his games against AC uh ACC competition I don't know that kind of goes both ways to me um and I don't think Terrell's a bad player I just don't know if he was number 16 right and you know that's the thing and he's going to have to uh, – to me, he he reminds me of like when the Falcons took Trufant and I guess Offord in the same draft, and Trufant was the, the number one and Offord was the number two. Well, it feels like the Falcons got, you know, Robert Offord, but he's going to have to be the number one with Terrell is what that kind of feels like to me. Yeah, because the, the Falcons' depth chart right now is you assume Isaiah Oliver, who was a second-round pick, what, two, three years ago out of Colorado, has got one of the spots. And then after that, there was the you know the kid out of Washington that they took in the the sixth round last year. So, And that was where it, it, it hit me a couple weeks ago looking just – I was perusing Atlanta's depth chart. When I got to the cornerbacks, I went – I mean, that's what they're going to take. They almost have to. They can't start a season with what they had at cornerback. And so – that's what they did and maybe there were a lot of rumors about Atlanta being aggressive trying to trade up and you know maybe with the Jacksonville sliding in there and uh, taking CJ Henderson we know why but they just weren't able to do it because um you know how many you would have at least had to have given up another first round pick Atlanta doesn't have enough picks in the rest of this draft to really probably entice anyone to move up that's right and you know I guess they feel the need uh, that they've got to you know win this year or they're their jobs are 
are terminated. Although, you know, we've been feeling like that for the last couple of years, right. so who knows? I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that, but yeah, I just think they felt like they were handcuffed and they had to take Terrell, even if that wasn't the guy that they had as their best available after uh, Kinlaw and, and Jerry Judy were taken. But yeah, when to me it felt like when the Lions, when they got to the Lions pick at number three and they took Okuda, I thought, hmm, that's interesting. So they're not moving down. They like Okuda. Then what happens here with C.J. Henderson? And then suddenly the Jaguars take him. And then that's when you start thinking, well, the Falcons need to hope Javon Kinlaw is still around or they're maybe trying to move up a little bit to see what they can do. And, again, we don't know what they were trying to do. I would think that, you know, Dimitrov, you know, his track record is he, he, he will move around. But they didn't last night. So I wonder if they just, like you said, didn't have a dance partner. Yeah. Or they felt like they – you know, they didn't think AJ was that much worse than CJ as far as cornerbacks went, and they decided to just stay where they were and go with him. I knew when the 49ers took Kinlaw, though, it's like I was, my thought was like the Falcons are like they're they're kind of screwed here now. Yeah, because like what are they going to do? And um, you know, unless ended. you unless you thought that they would want to get uh, Chase on from LSU, yeah. I mean, he I guess he would have been an option, but even he ended up going twentieth. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I guess he was the other one who had been, you know, mocked to Atlanta a good bit early on. It was Epinesa from Iowa and he ends up not going in the first round either. So that would have been a reach at 16, but, uh, prepare to have the dead horse beaten again. And I know the 49ers <laughs> held the Colts pick. Uh, so that wasn't actually their pick at number 14, but, um, Atlanta missed out on a guy they certainly would rather have had because maybe if they hadn't beaten the 49ers this year, they'd have been able to have Javon Kinlaw. Instead, they end up reaching with, uh, with AJ Terrell instead. And it's just, I don't know. Those picks in the teens are, those are rough spots because you're not awful, but you're also weren't good. And you're just probably not going to get anybody that's going to have an impact and really put you over the top and maybe get you be that missing piece it's oh yeah they're going to get me into the playoffs next season now that is ironic though that those wins over tampa and san francisco almost mean nothing because they still pick behind them in the draft yeah (laughs) and now you know and i'm throwing on top of that now atlanta's got a schedule where they're gonna have to play seattle and dallas this season instead of i guess it would have been the the rams and why the rams and giants yeah Yeah, it would have been yeah yeah I know that's and that's what people forget about too is like okay it's 14 and 16 but it's not just 14 and 16 it's also two other games on your schedule that are in theory harder as well yeah and so last year the Falcons took Lindstrom the pick before that the Dolphins took Christian Wilkins so Atlanta misses Wilkins by one pick they miss uh they miss Kinlaw this year by two by two picks and that's why when all the when there was all that smoke about Atlanta aggressively trying to move up in the draft I kept saying like I I know a good way you can move up in the draft, not win a bunch of stupid games at the yeah. end of the year that don't mean anything. Yeah. and uh, yeah. Oh, But here they are, 7-9 They won again. some battles, but it doesn't look like they won the war. Yeah, well, that's what, that's what they got for beating Kyle Allen twice and Gardner Minshew once. Yeah. Yeah, they got uh, A.J. Terrell now, who might be. I mean, hopefully he will be. He'll turn out good, but some of those Clemson defenders, and Grady Jarrett's an exception, but he was like a, you know, the fifth or sixth-round pick, but – you know, those guys get into that nice system at Clemson with Brent Venables. And that's what I asked, like, how, how many defensive coordinators in the NFL are bre- better than Brent Venables? It's a good question. I mean, how many can you even name in the yeah. uh, defensive coordinators in the NFL can you name? But, you know, Brent Venables, you know, it's like that's, that guy is as good as there is. And somehow Dabo's kept him. 
Yeah, with that somehow. $2 million a year, well, that, whatever he's making that now. That goes a long way up there at Lake Hartwell. Yeah. It does, yes. Uh, uh, the Crossover Podcast is presented, as always, by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville, also in Five Points in Athens. Chris and Dave with you. Uh, appreciate you listening to us. Again, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes, listen on demand at 960theref.com, or download the 960theref app and get all of our on-demand content there you can listen to the ref uh, all the time wherever you are whenever you want find it in the app store if you're on uh the iphone you can get it in google play on the android um all right so we'll uh, take a little time out here uh, dave and i guess we'll come back and talk about uh, the couple of georgia guys that uh, went and just the sec in general which broke its own record for the number of first rounders by one conference last night not only broke it but shattered it by like shattered three uh, by the but way went the, under on uh, the vegas number they were right on it though 15 and a half they were cl- it's amazing isn't it yeah um boy is it they were all in fact my, one of mine and the dolphins of course got me uh i had georgia players minus a half over auburn players so their tennessee is they take isaiah wilson i'm like all right i've got it now and then the dolphins take <laughs> some corner that no one had going in the first round that's how it always goes yeah so that one uh they buried me of course but i'm not mad because they made the right call and and did draft two so um, yeah you like i knew you liked that yeah they got me they made me happy there all right to the crossover podcast here on 960theref.com and the 960 The Ref app presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen. You know it's just a matter of time before you'll want some comfort food, like a big ooey-gooey pizza or juicy wings. But you can curb those cravings with Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen's curbside service. Just go to fullyloaded.pizza and pay by credit card. Then once you arrive, call them with your name and car description. They'll bring all your comforting favorites out to you. Get comfort food curbside with Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen at Five Points in Athens and off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. Crossover podcast part two, our NFL draft recap edition. Chris uh, from the home team, Dave from the morning show. And thanks to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and Five Points for uh, sponsoring the crossover podcast. Uh, well, I get it. It's uh, the dogs had two players drafted. One was a no brainer, the other was maybe a mild surprise, but maybe there were uh, more. A little more shocking to some at, at the one who didn't get drafted, and that was DeAndre Swift. Yeah, especially since the Chiefs went with uh, Edward Tiller out of LSU with that last pick. Yeah, I, I I didn't think a running back would get taken in the first round, so I I guess I wasn't surprised Swift didn't go. But then as it turned out, a running back did get taken, and it was Edwards it was Edwards Alaire. I for me personally, I thought Edwards Alaire and Swift were the two best running backs in the draft. I liked Edwards Alaire over Taylor Dobbins. Uh, I guess Cam Akers from Florida State. I yeah. I think he's right up there neck and neck with Swift. So. Um, uh, you know, and in the the other the other guy too that for all these mock drafts were, was the tackle position, and you kept seeing Worfs and uh, Wills and even Becton from Louisville ahead of Andrew Thomas, and I'm like, Andrew Thomas is the is better than any of them. What's going on there? And in the end, the Giants made the right call and they took Andrew Thomas. So, you know, I thought at tackle the top guy got taken, and I even thought it at running back Edwards Alaire neck and necks with Swift without remember we got to remember with Swift. He was injured two years ago with that groin, and he got hurt at the end of last season, too. So I, that might have uh, had an impact in his draft stock. I was thinking that also, the injuries, and then also the fact that just from a visual standpoint, 
Edwards Hilaire played in an offense that looked more like the Chiefs and and sparkled more than the offense that that Swift played in. So I think that probably helped him. Uh, that may have helped him there a little bit too with the Chiefs going with him. That might not have been the whole thing, obviously, but it didn't hurt him. You know, looking at a running back that played for LSU last year versus a running back that played for the Bulldogs last year offensively. Those were two very different things. Well, and with, you know, Swift obviously was, uh, he could catch passes too, but I mean, Edwards Alaire had over 50 catches last, uh, last season. So those comps with between, you know, him and like Christian McCaffrey are, you know, I think pretty, pretty solid. And, you know, the Chiefs were, you know, in a spot there at the end of the first round, being the reigning Super Bowl champs where they could pretty much say, like, we can get any, anyone we want. And in their mind, they, they got the, uh, maybe the, the top running back in the draft who is also got, I mean, a lot less uh, tread off his tires, too, than some of those other backs that, that had a much heavier workload throughout their careers. Because Edwards Alaire is kind of like Burrow. He was like a one-hit wonder last yeah. season. Well, how about we were talking about the SEC with the 15 picks. How about the fact that 31 of the 32 picks were from Power 5 conferences and uh, there wasn't a slippery rock there wasn't a incarnate word. The only non the only non Power Five pick was Jordan Love. I mean Utah State. I mean they're in the Mountain West, so it's not like they were getting a D two or D three player like that. So I mean that's I thought that was interesting too. The first round with just basically all the big schools dominating with the picks, including the first three with Burrow, Young, and Okuda. It was the Ohio State show, even though you know Burrow was at LSU. So Ohio State got the headlines there for the first three picks. And then they did have, uh, was it Chris Carter's son that the Raiders took? Oh, is that uh, who that is? I believe that's what they said. I, I wasn't really familiar with him. Damon Arnett. Um, no, I don't think anyone was familiar with him. <laughs> so it was like, okay, this is kind of, this is kind of strange. Um, and then, although his Wikipedia page doesn't even mention that, you would think, well, if that were... If that were a, if that was his son, it probably wouldn't it say it, that? Maybe I misunderstood what they said. But anyway, he ends up uh, going later on, and that's uh, you know another Ohio State guy that ends up going. But that's just just bizarre that you had just one player selected in the first round last night that wasn't from a group of five school, or excuse me, from a Power Five school. I, I think the other thing too to, to tie it into recruiting the uh, the first ten or so picks like you know, four and five star recruits. Yeah, yeah. The only one of the top ten that you could say you know really exceeded his expectations was uh, Herbert. He was kind of a yeah. He didn't get a ton of big offers, uh, but uh, but like everyone know. wanted, and I you know. I mean, like Burrow was like the the Ohio Player of the Year. Ends up at Ohio State. Andrew Thomas, everyone wanted him. Tua was five star. Derek Brown was five star. I don't. Was Isaiah Simmons one of those that maybe like kind of blossomed he, at Clemson? Yeah, I think his. I mean, I think because he played because he's from Kansas, he probably wasn't as highly touted as he would have been if he had been at a school that had more you know more high school football. I think right was his situation. Um. So yeah, uh, for him though, I mean, yeah, uh, you could probably yeah, maybe throw him in there as well a little bit, but yeah, I mean, hey, look, Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson were two of the uh, top 
offensive linemen in their high school class, and they end up going in the first round. Yeah, both five stars. And with Wilson, Wilson, it's um, and I I thought Wilson was going to end up in the uh, in the back end of the of the first round. That's why I liked that Georgia to have uh, more guys drafted than Auburn um, prop, but just because of his size, I mean, that was just going to be hard for NFL teams to to look away from. But immediately, I see like. Isaiah Wilson is the first person to ever post these numbers at the combine in the cone drill and something else and get drafted yeah. in the first round. And it's like, okay. Um, that's, you know, the guy's like 6'8 and 320 and didn't allow hardly any pressure at Georgia. Like, that's for late in the first round. I don't think that's a bad pick. <laughs> no. And again, I mean, it's, it's not surprising. I mean, I mean, it could have, you know, we're going to see another offensive lineman. I, I would be pretty sure go today and Kenley from the uh from the University of Georgia so none of this stuff to me is surprising at all in the fact that these guys are going where they're going it shows what Georgia's been able to do coach Smart and coach Pittman and and I love what we've seen so far in the short time that Matt Luke's been here but they're they're taking these linemen and um they're doing good things with them and it it's it makes it easier to go on the recruiting trail and say yeah look at uh, Isaiah Wilson look at Andrew Thomas, look at Solomon Kinley, you know, and probably look at what happens next year with Cade Mays. These guys are uh, coming to Georgia, and they're going in the first or second round of the NFL draft. So come on to Georgia, and that's that's big for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I had my, um, you know, my one of my cousins in Cleveland was texting me earlier in the week because the mock started to have Andrew Thomas going there, and he was like, "What is is this going to be a good pick? I don't know, is it be a good pick. That's going to be a, a great pick. I don't understand why he's not considered." the top tackle in the draft you know and I started just running through a few of his career highlights here in uh here in Athens which included you know I I think he gave up like six quarterback pressures all of last uh season and three-year starter I mean we know his his resume but I was uh giving it to him so of course last night he just like you know bleep the Giants when they made the pick and like well like I said he I don't know why he wasn't considered the first uh the first tackle in the draft so the Giants it's as much as they get mocked with that uh, with that Dave Gettleman for his drafting, like to me, like they they actually finally got it right in a well, big way. Well, they took Saquon Barkley two years ago. Yeah, they took Daniel Jones last year, and now they're getting a big tackle for uh, for Jones. So, and I and looking at like. Um, you know, you'll see if you're on Twitter, like the Giants account, you know, hey, we just took Andrew Thomas. And then, you know, reading the comments from the fans and they weren't as much anti-Andrew Thomas as they were. Why didn't we go after a defensive guy? Um, that was more of, I think, the rhetoric there with uh, with Giants. When the Jonas Brothers weren't tweeting about him, it, this, uh, it was other – I don't know if you saw that or not. No, the Jonas Brothers were tweeting about they it. Put something, the Giants put something together – with the Jonas Brothers, and they were touting Andrew Thomas. It was kind of strange. Oh, you that's can, good. You can look that up. You can have a little fun with it this afternoon. But, uh, yeah, so that was the only thing there with, with Thomas. But, you know, the, their fans were like, well, now instead of winning, you know, 31 to 24, we're going to have to win 41 to 34. And it's like, well, but at least that's winning. What have you done since you won the Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't. You know, you just drafted who you hope is going to be your franchise quarterback for uh, for many years. So yeah. it makes sense to get a guy that's going to protect them. And Andrew Thomas will. So they've gone two years in a row because they took uh, DeAndre Baker last year. So the Giants have fallen in love with Georgia. 
How would you have graded Baker's season last year for the Giants? Like a C? Yeah, he got picked on a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, but that mean, I mean, it's, I don't think that means he's doomed to, to be a bust or a failure. It's, he's a rookie in the NFL, and teams went after him. And, I mean, that may be what we see with uh, Terrell and the Falcons. Yeah, same thing. for sure. Because Baker was drafted about the same part of the draft, right, that Terrell was? What, what number yeah, was I Baker? think Baker was, like, t- in the 20s. Oh, he was in the 20s. Okay. Yeah, he was okay. a little bit – he was later in the first round. But, yeah. um, you know, which is honestly where Terrell was probably – you know more thought to where his prospects ranged around that area but again Atlanta was just in a spot where it's a position they needed they were in a weird place in the draft you know maybe they couldn't get anyone to trade down so they took the guy that uh they felt was the the third best cornerback in the uh, in the draft and again as it played out the those other two cornerbacks that were thought to be first rounders ended up not going in the first round and he had two surprises going and I don't even I say his name from Auburn um i don't either but yeah that guy who the dolphins took and then the the raiders just i mean complete i mean just i have no idea what that pick was other than the raiders <laughs> were were making it because i mean one other thing about him that i saw is he's i mean he's already 24 years old which i get it in in real life is not old but in professional football playing that is yeah. already I would imagine the Raiders have got a, a good number of players on their roster who have already been in the NFL for two or three seasons that are still younger than him. Well, you know, the Raiders are going to Raider, right? I mean, that's just – they're going to take the, the track guy and they're yes. going to take somebody else. They had that, just the classic Raiders draft. It's amazing. <laughs> like, nothing changes. I know. And by the way, that guy is not apparently Chris Carter's son. I don't know. I must have just been hallucinating when I thought I heard them say that last night. So the 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 cornerback from Ohio State, yeah, Arnett, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know where that came from, but yeah, it's just um, just glad we had uh, glad we had something going on last night, and I'll probably watch a lot of tonight and watch a lot of tomorrow afternoon as well. I don't know if I'll be quite as glued to it as I was last night, but certainly curious to see you know how many bulldogs will end up getting picked here over the next couple of days yeah i mean i think we know there'll be a, a good number that are picked the big question is when especially when it comes to to from um you know i know swift is probably upset about not being in a, a first rounder and especially not even being the top running back taken but i don't think he'll have to wait too long in round number two before he finally gets his name uh his name called and then you know even of some interest here you know jacob eason where does he go who gets him so yeah we've got uh, we'll still have a lot of draft to talk next week on the podcast too to see how everything wraps up and what uh, what the rest of the draft looks like for the falcons too i know it's hard to i'll i'll uh we've already talked about terrell but i'll i'll hold off on just a complete you know what i really feel because i want to see what they they draft around him too just to kind of see what the whole draft looks like for them yeah for the Falcons but I know hey uh, did now did you like the uh, Dolphins getting the offensive lineman from Southern Cal well it's it, I felt like he was a reach too at that point and I it, I just it, they 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 acquired both of those extra first round picks by trading an offensive tackle and by trading a uh, a defensive back and so all they did was turn around and draft another offensive tackle and another defensive back so yeah. In the end, it, it it doesn't feel like it makes sense. But for me, their draft was made by getting Tua. And at least when they took the guy from Auburn, they traded down. So they've got 
they've got a boatload of picks still in the rest of this draft, so Miami's got a chance to at least do some damage. But you know, I wasn't like crazy about those other two first round picks, but I mean it was all the make or break pick was at number five and like they took they tanked for two. It turned out that it worked it after worked. all. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully he's healthy and ready to go. Well, Dave, uh, continue best to, to you and your family, and we'll uh, talk again yeah. next week. Same to you, and maybe one day soon I'll see you in person again. Yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be good. All right, appreciate you uh, checking us out again. As always, subscribe on iTunes. You can uh, listen on demand at 960theref.com, but uh, get the 960theref app. You can find it in the App Store on the iPhone, Google Play if you're on the Android. Thanks to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and did five points. Uh, We'll be back next week with a probably another uh, draft recap edition of the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen here on 960theref.com and the 960theref app. You've been listening to The Crossover, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.